He said the age of heroes will never come again. It will. It has to. We live in a society where honor is a distant memory. Isn't that right? Folks, uh, welcome back to the live stream of the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. I am your host, and as you can see, our guest today returning to Mike Seibert Radio is the Managing Director of Cinema Blend, Sean O'Connell, and we are talking about his brand new book, Release the Snyder Cut, the crazy true story behind the fight that saved Zack Snyder's Justice League. That book is out now from Applause Books. And uh, uh, Sean, thanks uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Mike, thanks for having me back, obviously. This is uh, wonderful to come back around and talk about this with you. And it's weird, it's weird to hear that the book is out because uh, it feels like it took forever. Well, you know, and, and uh, you know, we spoke back in August, you know, just full disclosure for folks to go back and check out our interview. I, I think it was one of the first times I talked about uh, Snyder Cut, just heard about the book. This was like just after DC Fandom and that, that first official trailer. And I don't know about you, Sean, but that feels like a lifetime ago, like literally a lifetime ago. I mean, think of like what we had coming out of DC Fandom to where we are today as a, as we're recording on a, on March 7th. Yeah, and we should also point out then we have 11 days to go before it's oh my gosh for everybody to dive into. Yeah, I mean, right after Fandom, people thought it was going to be a four-episode uh, television show uh, stretched out. Now we know that it's one complete thing. Uh, we can confirm that it is... There are six chapters because Zach has shared the teasers for it. Uh, we know the additional photography and the fact that he worked in other characters like Deathstroke and Jared Leto's Joker. So, yeah, I mean, he's a master at peeling back the layers and and using it to his marketing advantage. But I think the hype for this one is is through the roof and, you know, the fans are counting it down. Absolutely. And I, I want to say before uh, before we get too much further, uh, uh, just just congratulations on the book. It you know, I, it, it does my heart good to see positivity out there in the world, but also just folks sharing their, you know, selfies of them with the book and just just the pictures and just 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 flooding the hashtags and, and flooding your mentions. Um, it, it seems like folks uh, are, are really uh, gravitating to it um i so I, I guess i would like i would like to ask you kind of like what what some of the early reactions have been now that the book has been out in the wild for a little bit and thank you so much for pointing that out um it's been overwhelming man there's no other way to really put it i, I don't know if this is normal i don't know what other what other authors go through but it's been incredible because you know the only thing i wanted to do the thing i set out to do 
with this book. The project was to tell the story of the movement, you know, and so ultimately what you want is that the movement is happy with the way that you told their story. It would break my heart if, you know, they they finally got to check out the book and and the feedback was oh, this is wrong, or you, you missed the point, you know, these are all things you never, that you, that you worry about, you know, when you're waiting for the book to, to get there. But I believed in it. And I believed that I, that I found the right tone and that I'd covered my bases kind of thing. And so to see people in the movement, you know, key people who I know are, are dedicated to this on a daily basis, sharing messages that they have picked up multiple copies of the book in order to hand out to other people, uh, and to use it as a tool to educate them on what the movement accomplished, like that's the greatest compliment that I can get. Uh, I, I have heard some feedback, you know, from from people who are really have really lived every step of this, that said, you know, it's a good trip down memory lane for them. Um, it didn't it didn't teach them anything major new because they really were they they're the ones yeah. I wrote about kind of thing. But one of the challenges in in going into this book was, do I write it for? Do I write it so intensely specific that it really does appeal to the members of the movement who I'm trying to teach them new things about it? Or yeah. do I step a couple of steps back and make it more accessible to mainstream folk who might have been hearing about like, what the heck is this Snyder Cut? What is, I thought we saw Justice League. And, um, you know, that was advice I got early on and it was smart. I think it was smart to, to step back and really make this something that a, a casual person can pick up and learn more about what happened in the DCEU, what happened in Zack's Justice League film, um, and then to shift gears and get into the story of the movement and the people who fought, you know, for three years to do it. So I, I hope I, I hope I struck that balance, and I hope it's interesting enough to each person, regardless of what audience you, uh, you fall into. It reminds me a little bit of reading a a biography of your favorite band. So, like, if you are a super fan and you are involved, you know all of the stories it's still nice though but but i i've heard some criticism of those documentaries of mm -hmm. like well i didn't really learn anything because i already knew the story but i i'm inclined to agree with your approach sean in that like i feel the book is for me like i i'm somebody that is steeped in pop culture but i i'm not involved in the movement i you know i i didn't even know all of the players. Um, and I, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm in the mood for uh, positivity. And, mm -hmm. and, th and this story, more than anything, is a positive, inspiring story about what these folks did. And I, I think, I don't know, I, and, and we can maybe get into this a little bit later, but I, I think even now there's uh, somewhat of a, a stigma attached to the movement mm. like 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 for example that uh that vanity fair article that that came out very recently uh the headline the the tweet for it was after Zack snyder quit justice league rumor swirled fans got toxic and the superhero movie tanked now the director tells his side of the story ahead right. of the snyder cut now it's an incredible article but I, I, I kind of bristle when when they uh, use phrasing like toxic fandom. Now, that's mm -hmm. that's not to say that there isn't some toxicity in in this fandom. And and like I said, we, we can touch on that if uh, uh, time permitting. But what I'm really enjoying about reading the book is meeting these folks behind the movement and hearing 
their stories because mm-hmm. it's you know i mean it, it's it, it's a cool hollywood story about like well there was there was this movie then there was hollywood shenanigans and mm-hmm. now the original creator has the opportunity to uh fulfill their original vision and throw in some extra treats as well it's it, it's it's just a really cool hollywood story but aside from that it's it's the story of individuals it's it, it's it's about a movement well i hope what it conveys also too is just the power of fandom and that it doesn't have to be dc fans or Zack snyder fans that almost anybody can almost could pick up this um this book and get into this story and put themselves in the shoes of any kind of fandom and mm-hmm. how upset you would be if a highly anticipated you know film and for some people a live action justice league is really a movie they've been waiting for their entire lives, you know, and and to be told it's coming and then to be told, you know, oh, well, the director's the director left, but we're replacing him. And, you know, but trust me, it's his vision. Uh, and then to get what you got, no matter what it was like, you know, clearly I can't avoid the two posters over my shoulder. Like you try to put it in the comparison of like, what if after Infinity War, you know, they replaced the Russos <laughs> and you were left with a cliffhanger, you know, and then you got a, a disastrous film in Avengers Endgame. Right. You would want to know what the heck happened, you know, what went wrong. And so Star Wars fans, I think, go through a little bit of this themselves when they discuss the lack of, of uh, creative continuity that connects Force Awakens to The Last Jedi to The Rise of Skywalker. You know, they're debating that constantly. And if there was more support from, like the way that Zach sort of egged on his his movement and his fans to say, like, I have a better version, you know, and I, I do know what happened. And, you know, if we fight together quietly, him behind the scenes, uh, we can get this version out there. Like, what if Ryan Johnson or J.J. Abrams, you know, was quietly feeding the star wars fans and saying yeah yeah um no we were wronged you know and and keep fighting you in any fandom i think you can put yourself into that situation and to me it's so much more than just the the toxicity label i think fandom is just passionate i think there's a passion that comes with fandom regardless of look at sports teams yeah (laughs) yeah movies look at sports teams and the amount of vitriol that they toss around because of the competitive nature of sport and we accept it we roll with it but i guess on on the arts side on the film side you're not supposed to root you know or be so passionate about it one way or the other and uh, listen i still think with art with film that people should keep an open mind and be willing to transition and grow with the way that different things go but this is a very specific story about uh about a creative who was wronged and and about his fans who didn't mind putting the time in to make sure that that they got the right version and it's remarkable that it happened it's remarkable that it's coming absolutely uh so let's talk about uh briefly the the scope of your book you know uh um you know what what it covers the general timeline and how it kind of captures what i would refer to as this chapter of the snyder cut story that's a great point because the book had to come to a close. Um, I don't know what, what like this. A lot of people who are confused about, not confused, but they're wondering how come there aren't more details like about the back half of this. But I turned this manuscript in last July uh, and have been waiting for it to come out because the the 
publishing cycle just takes a really long time to go through. So in a way, it has to be a snapshot about a, a finite point of time because I eventually had to get to a point where I ended it and turned it in. Um, it traces the, the origins of the DCEU. Uh, and that essentially starts with like the Christopher Reeve films, the Richard Donner films. It goes through a little bit of Tim Burton's Batman and it gets into how Nolan got started with his Dark Knight. And the reason we get into Nolan is because he produced Snyder's movie and yeah. you know ended up bringing him into the fold. Um, and then it burrows down deeper into the, the Zack Snyder era, which is Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman. And in that, it parallels a lot of what was going on across the street at Marvel Studios. Uh, and you know, while I don't lean as heavily into Marvel, I felt like it was really important to at least explain what Marvel was doing in terms of establishing a cinematic universe and, and having a shared storyline that multiple films got into, because I think that's what WB uh, were trying to chase at that point. And we're putting a little bit of um, added pressure on Zack and Debbie Snyder as a producer to build out a universe that included Suicide Squad as a movie, Wonder Woman as a movie, building towards an Aquaman film. And and it kind of meant at the time, probably, that Zack wasn't able to focus as intently as he wanted to and just telling the story that, that he would like to tell. Um, if you look to the way that BVS, instead of just being a traditional Superman sequel, has to introduce a Batman, a Wonder Woman, um, set up the other metahumans. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's being done in that film in terms of heavy lifting for uh, for a universe. Mm -hmm. Then it covers the period of from the time November 17th that the movie came out. Uh, I, one of my favorite chapters in it is is a painful chapter and where I catch up with a lot of members of the movement and ask them just what they remembered about going to the theater uh, and seeing theatrical cut. You got to remember that this is a group of people who really were still led to believe that they were buying a ticket to see the continuation of Zack's vision just mm -hmm. under the leadership of another director. Um, but instead what they got was a completely reworked and watered down and botched version of, of Zack's story. And they were angered and they were, they literally, the birth of the Snyder Cut movement really comes down in November 17th uh, of 2017 because people came home and were able to jump right online and start having conversations with other fans of saying, what the hell happened? And they had enough footage in early trailers and the Comic-Con look that Zach had brought to at least say like, here, here's the stuff that I know he was teasing. It's not in that movie, you know, and that there's conspiracy theories in film all the time. You know, it's always sure. doing something wrong to somebody else, but these guys had enough proof and enough visual evidence to say that, that something horrible went wrong and they started to, to put the pieces together from that point on. Well, and, and I want to say that, you know, so the, uh, we talked earlier that the book is, about the fans hmm. so I, I i was wondering if we if we could talk briefly about i mean obviously we want folks to read the book and buy the book but I, I was wondering if you could talk about uh perhaps some of the characters that we meet uh mm -hmm. within your book because like i think even prior to after i had talked to you last august but before i had read the book i i didn't have an awareness of kind of who's who in the fandom and i think by extension of that there's i i i don't know if there's two sides to the fandom but it it feels to me that there are uh factions and now keeping yeah. in mind i'm somebody that's on the outside looking in mm. um so i i think for uh, uh casual observers that still have that stigma about the hashtag release the snyder cut movement being quote unquote toxic fans 
there are toxic fans in there, but there's also um, more or less. I'm just wondering if we could talk for a moment about kind of like, you know, who's who and 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 some of the cool folks that that you met and and highlight their stories in the book. Absolutely. Um, there's definitely factions. And that's part of the reason why I think it's pretty remarkable that the group stayed unified uh, for as long as they did in order to carry this whole thing over the finish line. Because these types of factions that pop up in, in fandoms are what drives them apart and prevents them from accomplishing almost anything like this. And the Snyder Cut movement is not immune to this. And you know what it is? It comes down to agenda. It you know Ultimately, I think everybody was dialed into getting the movie released. Um, but then other people had different motivations uh, throughout the course of building it up. So, you know, I started out by interviewing a guy who goes by the name of Leonidas online. He was a friend of a friend, actually. Uh, and he was somebody who I knew at least was pretty involved in the Snyder Cut movement. Um, based in New York, was helping at the time to to pull off the, the Times Square billboard rental that they did during yeah. the Comic-Con, which is to me still one of the most, you know, impressive. I wouldn't even know where to begin to rent a billboard. <laughs> in time <laughs> And these guys put together the visuals in order to, to put on the board and the, they got the rental during New York Comic-Con. He was a tremendous guy who kicked me up the ladder to another group of people who were just invested in putting these things together. And I started to learn about a group that, that, that was leading a charge um, called Project Comic-Con, where they took over downtown San Diego during Comic-Con. And, you know, every time I tried to get closer to what I like to call leaders of the movement. I was told repeatedly by the people who I will call leaders that they don't want to be referred to that way. They never wanted it to feel like it was about them, um, that they were like, no, everyone's level. You know, it's it's equity across the board and we're all in this for Zach. And I thought that was a really healthy way to take it. There has been division since the announcement of the cut that a lot of people are worried about who's getting credit for the work that was done. And yeah. that, that's what's leading to a lot of division is like, how come these people, how come some people are getting credit for what got done when it was us that, that did the fighting? A lot of that blows back at me. People think that I jumped on uh, in the later stage of the game and tried to take credit for it. I, I will argue that it was always my intention to just tell the story of the movement and I'm not trying to take any sort of credit for it whatsoever. So, you know, that's hard to argue against because it's just simply how people feel. But I think that there's a lot of people who are really in it just for the purity of either two things, two things in particular. One is the artistic integrity, you know, to truly have Zach's vision restored. Yeah. The other are the people, um, and I'll single out uh, Meg, uh, who's um, from the States, and then the Nerd Queens, who are international. Uh, right. And those three individuals and together put to, put on um, an event last year called Justice Con, which was an online um, uh, Comic-Con convention that almost that actually did overshadow uh, the actual San Diego Comic-Con <laughs> last year that had to be virtual yeah. because they had Zack Snyder join uh, for a panel and they had Debbie join for a panel and they mm -hmm. recruited other fans to put something together. And it was, um, it was incredible to watch what they do, but, but one of their uh, components is mental health and, and, and suicide prevention. And that is such an integral part of the movement. And so I admire them and leaned heavily on them to sort of guide me through and tell me who best to talk to because I trusted them and I trusted their opinions and I trusted that their motivations were pure. There were plenty of other people too that helped me along the way. 
um, who have since turned around and sort of shown their true colors. That's been discouraging. Some of that goes all the way up the chain of command. Like there's some people at the top levels, uh, both at the studio side and on the Snyder Cut side that I thought were in it for the right reasons that I've kind of learned are not. You know, it's hard. It's hard. And I didn't want this book. I wanted this book in particular to be about the positivity that happened in the movement. I think that you can tell a story that gets into a lot of the negativity. That was not my intention. Someone else wants to take on that story. I wish them luck. It's a murky swamp to to spend a lot of time in, though. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's going to make you feel, the more you burrow down into that, it just makes you feel gross. And that wasn't what I wanted to focus on. So. Well, and, and that's why I've appreciated our conversations. That's why I, I appreciate your telling of the story in the book. And that's why, you know, I appreciate the content that um, that you've done. It's I, I mentioned this when we spoke back in August, but you've really turned me around on this whole thing because like I kind of came into it like, you know, what th this these, these are CrossFit dude bros. They're toxic fans. And I don't know if I want to celebrate in their victory, but you know you told me and told us you know just just how like in this case like you know the movement has literally saved lives and and it's I, I, it's it's incredibly inspiring and it's hard not to be inspired by that but one thing i do recall when uh, uh when we spoke back in august um i since then i would go to your twitter first for kind of my uh snyder cut hot goss and i remember thinking at the time i was like it's only a matter of time before that faction of the fandom starts to come after you and at that point it hadn't happened yet and then when it did i was like i mean my heart sank i was like oh they found him it was it's like it's like uh marty and doc and back to the future it's like i don't know how they found me marty but but they found me run for it marty and i just i i felt very much like run for it marty energy um at at, at that point oh my god they found me i don't know how but they found me run for it marty who who what do you think? Still there, Sean? Uh-oh. I think he's froze. It looks like we may have uh, lost Sean there for a sec. Oh, he's gone. let me back in the site totally crashed on me <laughs> if he comes back on i hope he has the black suit <laughs> oh that's terrific oh oh Hey, breaking news. I think we, we may have, uh, Sean, you've returned, man. I, it would not let me connect for whatever, whatever. Oh my, go oh my gosh. 
I, I just, I, I found it so ironic because like, you know, we, we were just talking about how folks, uh, were, were initially coming after you on Twitter, uh, shortly after, uh, our interview in August. And then, and then that's right about the time, like you frozen and jumped away. So like, yeah, they got, some, some, they got you in that. And that's exactly what it was. They, they got him, uh, a uh, Whedon strikes, <laughs> and, uh, but, but it turns out though it was agatha all along that's right yes <laughs> always play Agatha. who's been messing up everything it's been agatha all along Every evil string It's been Agatha all along She's insidious So perfidious That you haven't even noticed And the pity is The pity, 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 pity It's too late to fix anything Now that everything has gone wrong Thanks to Agatha, naughty Agatha, it's been Agatha all along. And I killed Sparky too. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. So, um, with uh, uh, with getting back to the uh, quote unquote toxic fans and the gatekeeping, it it, it felt to me that that faction of the or those factions plural i'm not sure question mark it's almost like they didn't want or don't want new allies and i would classify someone like you as a new ally basically mm. you covered this story as an entertainment journalist and then got so uh wrapped up in it and and taken by it that you know you, you you proceeded with your book to tell these fans stories so i don't know if it if it comes from a a place of jealousy or or what but like i i see the folks that tweet at you and your responses to them and it's just like it, it scratches my head because because of like the outreach that you have done again you've gotten folks like me on board you know somebody that that doesn't specifically like zach's movies but I, I i believe in the movement and the and the good that they've done yeah um listen i can't explain it um and you know i try to take the high road every chance i can right like i try to i try to stay positive i try to um recognize the fact that it's not it's it's clearly not everybody in the movement and that the majority of the movement are in it for the right reasons yeah uh yeah, I, I didn't quite understand. I don't quite understand any kind of approach of, uh, you know, I know that there's a distrust of the media, especially when, as you point out in the Vanity Fair, which, of course, was a, a really great article, um, you know, that they lead with the toxicity. Um, so I do understand that the fan base has a bit of distrust for the way that they get perceived in the media. But I don't think that I have have used that. You know, I think you could point to the amount of times that I'd have have celebrated the positivity of the movement and gone through that way. So yeah. there'll be times too when like 
there'll be a comment made or somebody will surface, you know, uh, uh, one thing that I said about, you know, Man of Steel or, or, you know, however many years ago. And they'll be like, now I don't know if I can trust him anymore. And I was like, but like, there's like 90 other examples of like positive things. And so anytime you stop, Mike, you understand this, anytime that you stop and try to have a rational conversation with somebody who is irrational, it's, it's foolish. Like you're just wasting your time and spinning your wheels because you're never going to convince that person, you know? So I, I have really lost the energy uh, lately to even engage with that side of it because for a while I thought I could try to circle back around and explain like, no, 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 I'm honestly here just trying to tell your guys' side of the story. Um, and then I get met with such resistance um, that what are you going to do? It's, it's, you know, that's an uphill battle. And uh, I don't think I necessarily have to choose it. So yeah. I, try to, I try to avoid it as much as much as I can. I understand. And, it, but I, I, I would say though, that a, as a casual observer, um, even when you're snarky, because something we talked about back in August was mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, I, I talked about like some of the, the tweets that Ben Mendelssohn had made like towards, uh, towards Zach and how Zach kind of snapped at him. Mm -hmm. And I used that as an example of kind of Zach being aggressive, but you pointed out to me, it's like, well, everybody kind of has a breaking point and you can only take so much. And, and I feel that, you know, uh, that's, that's how you've handled things. You've been, you've been gracious, you've been professional, but I would also say that it always has that positivity. Sure. Things get a little snarky and, and I smile because I, I appreciate snark, mm -hmm. but, um, but, but like I said, it, it's, I, I think it's under that, that, uh, umbrella of underscoring the positivity that, that this fan base has done. And so, yeah, I just, I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. You know, I, I, one of the things that I want to accomplish with, with my shows about this is to kind of knock down that, that, that stigma. Well, I also, um, am a, am a deeply sarcastic person. And uh, you can't be sarcastic online. Uh, no, <laughs> sarcasm does not translate. And so there's so many times that like, I do come back with a bit of a snarky reply. And I think it's really funny, you know? And and then they, it gets like the, the language police come out, you know, and they're like, what did you honestly mean? It's like, no, 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 it was a joke. It was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it was a joke. Sorry, you can't make jokes online because people really scrutinize your words. Mm -hmm. But like, I grew up with the group of kids who just were like complete wise asses to each other, you know, and just destroyed each other. And that's, I'd like that. That's my, that's my approach. Um, so whatever. I'd, I don't know. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. But you know, in, in that, uh, when we, when we spoke in, in August, you had quoted the amount in donations that the release, the Snyder cut movement has, uh, made in donations to AFSP and, mm -hmm. I don't remember who it was, but I had um, I had caught an interview you did with with a uh, with a different podcaster, and the amount has since like doubled in the time that that we had talked in these last several months. And I didn't want us to get out of here without mentioning that specifically because, like, I I know I have a lot of folks in my audience and and myself also. We we all struggle with uh with with mental health. 
and with coping. And one of the things that I have found uh, specifically inspiring about this movement is that through uh, this this community of togetherness, um, that you know, it's it, it, it saved lives and done good work. The last figure that I heard, and I'm sure it's been updated since this point, was over $500,000. Yeah. I mean, half a million dollars in donations uh, over three years to the, uh, to the AFSP on behalf of the Snyders. And I mean, you cannot question the fact that that has provided uh, more therapists you know, to AFSP, more people who can work the phone banks uh, to be around when people need uh, someone to call and someone to speak to. Um, so of course, you know, that money has gone to an organization that exists to save lives. You can try to turn that or spin that any way that you want to, but there's just no denying that they've made a, a tremendous difference. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love about the movement too, that people that I've spoke to still behind the scenes that are saying that because it's this has always been about much more than just a movie, you know, and getting the getting the movie that they wanted to fight. Like they're not giving up. They're not done raising money for AFSP. This is going to be something that they are still contributing to for years to come you know like because in their mind the the fight against mental health you know the 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 battle to make sure that that people have the resources that they need in the realm of mental health is, is not going to go away mm -hmm. you know so they don't want to just be like okay we're done with that we got we got to see Zack snyder's justice league we're moving on like there's a, a huge component to the snyder cut movement that their reason for fighting was because of uh, mental health awareness and suicide prevention, and, and they're not going anywhere. So um, I fully expect to continue to hear, you know, and some of it's transitioning over to the Restore the Snyderverse campaign. And um, if Zach is able to still continue to make movies in this realm, then that might be something that's that's bolstered along with it. But um, mm -hmm. I think it's tremendous that they're that this is the cause that they have adopted, and they'll continue to do it through, you know, merchandise sales owning to the people or, um, you know, suicide prevention walks that take place in different corners of, of the of the globe. And so, yeah, I mean, the, all this stuff is going to be continued to to be held in the name of Autumn Snyder. And I think it's amazing. Absolutely. So as we close out, there's so much more to the story, like like we uh, mentioned earlier, you know, this this is just, you know, a a chapter you know you you got the ray fisher stuff mm -hmm. you've got the the different forms that that the movie uh took like it was going to be a tv show then it was a movie then you know all of that and even right now up to the the premiere day where we're what 11 days out yeah. um it feels like there's more story to tell you gonna write another book <laughs> um maybe uh, I'll say maybe with that one, uh, because one of the challenges of this book was that it was a breaking news story uh, the whole time that I was writing it. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned a lot writing a, writing a book. Um, and one of the things that I learned was that it's better when the story's done <laughs> and then you can sort of go back and revisit it. So there's a lot of stuff that still has to play out yeah. um, with, uh, with a follow-up book. The, I've been taking plenty of notes and I, you know, when I decided to write Release the Snyder Cut, while I had covered a lot of that stuff for Cinema Blend uh, all the way through, I never really like compiled notes or, or was documenting it uh, with the intention of writing a book. Now I'm at least documenting things and knowing that like, hey, I would probably want to include this. But, you know, almost every aspect of it 
whether it be uh, what's going to happen with Zach uh, in this in the Snyderverse or what really happened with with Ray Fisher. Um, these are stories that aren't done yet. You know, they still have, and it almost feels like every time we turn another corner on them, it sends the story in a different direction. So I, I'm going to wait a while. Um, instead, I'm, I've shifted gears and I'm writing a, a, a Spider-Man book. Uh, I'm writing a book called With Great Power, and it's sort of documenting Spider-Man's run through Hollywood and why he, how he became, in my opinion, uh, the most influential uh, and successful superhero during this golden age of comic book movies whether you look at you know the animated into the spider-verse when winning an oscar and and his transition over to the mcu and there's a lot of really fascinating stories from the raimi era and the mark webb era that to get into and that's a lot of stuff that's happened already and i can go back through and, and talk to people who were involved in those things and and put that story together and then once i emerge from that i'll take a look at the landscape and see what the snyder cut uh story looks like and See if I want to wade back into into that water, um, <laughs> especially because the follow up book I think would be more, um, you know, not negative, not negative in the way that the other one's positive, but it would have to address a lot of the stuff that came with the um, the controversial elements and the and the more toxic elements. Because I, I think that you know, I did do my best to almost glance over it uh, in this first account because because when I did the research, the majority of it told me that that toxicity was uh, the minority. And so um, I really did tell the story of the people who I met who were doing a, a big difference. But um, if I circle back around to it, I think I'd have to start start to shine a little bit of a light on the people who are um, who are in it for the wrong reasons. Let's just put it that way. Sure. I understand. And um, as we close out, and, and again, the book is Release the Snyder Cut, the crazy true story behind the fight that saved Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, Sean O'Connell has been... Belongs to, uh, Nick Ingram is the artist who did that cover, and I I love that cover. I'm, I'm I, I really like it. It's It's got some really cool iconic details, and it's, it's, it's perfect. I, I really genius. enjoy it. I'm so happy for the work that he did. So I, I saw a tweet. You're uh, you're doing something cool for folks that uh, are interested in getting a signed, getting their book signed and personalized. Oh, sure, this is not something that I'm used to doing. I had no idea yeah. that this was even a thing. Um, but I have been contacted by so many people who are asking ways to get a signed copy, and that's so flattering. It's beyond flattering. Um, I would love to, in a perfect world, be able to go to like a Comic-Con and set up a table and just meet as many people as I, as I possibly could, but we're still in this weirdo world. Um, so I've set up a P.O. box, and uh, you can send me your copy of the book, and I will personalize it and get it right back to you. So if you want to figure out how to do that, um, hit me up at uh, Sean at cinemablend.com if you want to for an email address and I'll get you the PO box. And I'm happy to do that for anybody who picks up a copy of the book and actually wants my signature on it. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, th I mean, there's, there's just something special about that, that connection between an author and, and somebody that, you know, just really enjoyed it. And I like, you know, we, we saw a tweet from somebody that's bought nine copies of this nine times. They, they, they bought the release, the Snyder cut book nine times, nine times. It's it's something that that has struck a chord with folks and has resonated in a big bad way, but also a very real way. So again, I want to congratulate you on the on the success of the book. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate it. Um, I did my best. You know, I tried to convey the story, and I'm really, really, really happy and really moved uh, that it's resonating with people.
Awesome. So uh, we didn't even touch on uh, the the series of videos you're doing on YouTube, but I, I thought maybe we could we could close out with uh, you can let folks know where well we can get the book uh, where yeah. we can find you on the internet where we can connect with you on the social medias and any other cool stuff that you're doing now that folks can go check out like sure. your awesome video series with Hannah. <laughs> Absolutely. So the book is available wherever you get books sold. Um, Barnes and Noble books, a million uh, it's on Amazon. Obviously I've been sending people to uh, bookshop.org, which is a really great website that will help you find uh, a locally owned and independent bookstore. And if they're not carrying the book, they can at least order it for you and it'll, it'll back them. So use bookshop.org if you want to. Uh, I do a podcast uh, for Cinema Blend called Real Blend, um, which with two of my buddies and we get some really fun interviews on there. We're kind of a director driven show and we like to talk to filmmakers and we're going to get uh, Zach and Debbie to come on and talk about the Snyder Cut as we lead up to the premiere of it. So I'm really excited to be able to have them on and then you know a lot of people have been uh digging this weekly series that we launched on cinema blend on our youtube channel uh where we're, we break down the snyder cut and we have found new angles to talk about uh every single week with myself and our head of video uh, hannah solik who it's been really fun to watch her evolve because yes. she's not a fan you know <laughs> she came in as a newcomer and so if you go all the way back to the beginning of the videos and and watch how she has come along like now she's an expert and it's yeah. fun to see how much she has come along and so uh those are on youtube go to cinema blends youtube channel uh we have a playlist of all of our uh, snyder cut channel stuff so uh, you know it, they, they do really good numbers and people people seem to dig those videos they they are tons of fun and they're they're very approachable and you know i i you mentioned it earlier sean but i i went back and watched some of those early videos mm -hmm. and one of the things that that i've talked about over the last year or so is how everybody's work from home space has has kind of evolved yeah, yeah. and 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 it's funny like um you know it feels like we've all aged like five years in like the six months. I, I'm, I'm watching those first couple videos with Hannah and she's almost virtually unrecognizable. I'm like, oh, oh, baby Hannah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a really cool evolution. And it does, it does crack me up. Like when you guys were doing the, uh, the breakdown of that promotional piece and you're talking about like the Russian helmet as a baseball cap and, and, and she, and she clocked the, uh, the, the tornado at the, and the, uh, Kent, farm and 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 i think i think that's when it's like when i left you i was but the learner now i am the master <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it i love watching her come along like that um if you want to go even further back into uh hannah and i working together she made me because she is a diehard um game of thrones fan she loves oh. game of thrones and through whatever circumstances, I had never watched Game of Thrones um, until we were heading into the final season. And I happened to mention in a meeting one time at Cinema Blend, I was like, yeah, I always wanted to watch Game of Thrones. Um, and they were like, oh my God, you should watch it and react to it. And I said, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I would, let's do that. But like, we only had two months um, before the last season was kicking off. So they made me marathon the first seven seasons of game of thrones in a oh two my gosh. period um and hannah was the editor on it and she just had a blast 
making fun of me left and right because I did I did a crash course in Game of Thrones, which is not an easy thing to do by any way, shape, or form. And I had to do analysis on it after each episode, and you know, not knowing where the story was going or knowing who that any of the characters were. Um, it's a fun video series to go back and and rewatch Game of Thrones with with me as a total newcomer and to enjoy Hannah's edits and the way that she makes fun of me all the way throughout it. So it was a good time. Oh my gosh, I gotta check that out. And and Sean, you are always welcome anytime you would like to come back, like like when uh when your Spider-Man book gets cooking or or if there's an inevitable follow-up, um, mm-hmm. or you know, really if anything you want to promote, uh my uh my figurative door is always open for you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, brother. Enjoy your day. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds great. But that will wrap things up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you want to listen to all of my past shows, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcasts. Or you can check out my full show archive out on SoundCloud, five years and over 300 episodes worth of shows there. And come back for the live stream, uh, you know, streaming on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook Live. Like, share, rate and review the show let us know what you think and what you'd like to see more of in the future mike cybert radio is powered by Poddex. special thanks to dave sanders for our production elements for mike cybert radio my name is mike and until next time tell all or one wear a mask wash your hands and for goodness sakes make good choices you've been listening to the mike cybert radio podcast follow us on facebook twitter and instagram by searching at mike cybert radio Email us at MikeCybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Cybert Radio production. This one sort of goes through a little bit of a blur, and I'm looking at like triangle shapes and trying to figure out what they are. And then, are you talking about the Kent farmhouse? Do you see the Kent farmhouse? Where at 111, at? yeah. And then oh, there's like the tornado no. next to it. Oh, what? I didn't see this at all. Okay, <laughs> I'm afraid I didn't see it because I wasn't looking. Oh, okay. Oh, that's the roof of the Kent farmhouse. Yeah. And then the tornado's, the tornado's right there. Dude, I didn't see that at all. You were looking too closely. I was. It's like one of those things you look away and then be like, oh. (laughs) That's what it is. Because I was trying to figure out there's that transition from Arthur to, and then you get to this. It looks like water to me at first. Okay, cool. Good shot. I'm glad you saw that. I'm a journalist. Let's jump to 132. (laughs) There's a bunch of images in here that I think Please tell me what you said about this baseball cap. So who else has a baseball cap in the Wonder Woman origin? Am I overlooking anybody in the in the Wonder Woman origin? I don't think a it's a baseball cap? cap, but I like what you said about who. Okay. <laughs> so Jeff Johns on social media in the Snyder Cut family is identified often for his baseball cap. And a lot of times when the, the fandom wants to reference him uh, without mentioning his name in a Voldemort type way, they just put the blue baseball cap icon. So I'm watching this Wonder Woman montage play out, and I'm like, why the f*** does a, is a baseball cap here? And I'm trying to look at the symbolism on it. 
which to me looks like snakes. They look like snakes sort of intertwined, which again, it's probably me reading too much into this, but the the movement tends to refer to Jeff Johns as a snake who is interfering with Zack's vision all along. And See? I think this is in here as a direct nod to Jeff Johns. This is my interpretation. That's but this really is funny. a baseball cap that's included in here with snakes on the emblem. Because what else could it be? Do you so, see something else? You know, like that uh, photo of Wonder Woman that Zach posted, which is like her yeah. with the head. Is that yeah, that helmet yeah, yeah. of the head that the head is on? Oh, that's that's interesting. It could be. 